0: Hello, everyone. I'm your host, April Hanna, and this is the Path 11 Podcast. Just a reminder, we are offering access to all of our archive shows, which is well over 100 hours of content, and new bonus shows such as the Virtual Book Club, Food for Thought Friday, and the Two Minute Tuesday, all for just $3.99 a month. Think about it, guys. That's less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks. Sign up for premium for just $3.99 a month. Now let's get to this week's show. So, today I am joined with Anisha Marcel Kiel, and we are going to be talking about her latest book, Discovering the Healer Within. But I'd like to let you know a little bit more about her. She's a lifelong healing medium who has been able to communicate with spirits since she was a very young child. She is the award winning author of Discovering the Medium Within Techniques and Stories from a Professional Psychic Medium, which received a 2013 USA Best Book Award, 2013 Living Now Gold Medal Book Award, 2014 New. New England Book Festival Award and 2015 Indie Spiritual Book Award. She's also the author of Discovering the Healer Within, Using Chakras and Intuition to Clear Negativity, Release Pain, and that was released uh, just this past year in August of 2017. She also holds an MFA in creative writing and enjoys sharing information and exercises via her blog for people interested in learning more about mediumship development and healing. She's also the founder of the Soul-Centered Healing Method, a system of healing that incorporates divine energy, which I'm really interested to talk about today as well. And the healing method identifies and clears the root causes and energetic imprints of illnesses, disease, trauma, and repetitive life patterns. Anisha created Soul Centered Healing LLC, a spiritual healing center in Toms River, New Jersey, which is pretty close to us in New York, through which she provides healing sessions, classes, lectures, and events. Anisha lives in New Jersey with her two children, Brayden and Briella, who have the same abilities as their mother. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, I'm I'm excited to talk to you because there's quite a few things that I learned just in reading your book Discovering the Healer Within that I'm hoping we get a chance to cover all the wonderful topics that I was hoping to in our in our interview today. So, um Anisha, usually what I like to do is start off by actually I'd like to tell you how I found you, (laughs) because I always think it's kind of cool, the connection. Every now and then I tend to go on Instagram and I try to find uh, guests for the show, just people who are kind of out there living life, doing great things. And I honestly can't really remember how I found you or found your picture, but I remember seeing it. You were doing a book signing and I think it was your smile and just how happy you looked and how proud you looked. I was like, I want to support this woman. Whatever she's doing, she's, She's got great energy. Um, I just felt such a warm presence from from your pictures and then going on your uh, your Instagram page and looking at the stuff. And, you know, your book looked really intriguing. I said, I think this would be a wonderful person for our podcast. So I had my um, assistant producer reach out to you. And that's
1: how you're here today. That's so exciting. And I have to tell you that, uh, first of all, I'm familiar with your podcast because I have seen it before. But also I um, On your Instagram, I had followed you guys probably about two months ago because they came up in my feed. The Path 11 productions came up in my feed, and there was something with – it was actually a little – um, comic, but it was a bunch of aliens, and they yeah. were <laughs> kind of commenting about the earth plane and saying it was a ghetto, and I sent it to every one of my friends It does healing work, so I was like, you have to follow them. They're hysterical, and they totally get it, so uh, I think it was meant to be. I think yeah. the universe brought us together.
0: Absolutely. So can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your spiritual path and how all of this came to be?
1: Sure. Um, you know, I did not grow up uh, in a very supportive environment for my abilities. It was very challenging, but I believe that was part of my soul agreement. Um, I grew up in a very stringent Catholic family, which was very challenging being a, uh, a young child able to see spirits and feel things and, uh, perceive things that no one in my family could perceive. So it was challenging growing up. Um, I I kind of uh, opened up when I had my son Braden because he could see and feel and hear everything that I could see and feel and hear. And I think he was a real beautiful gift from the universe to help me remember who I was and why I was here. And my daughter is the same way. She's actually a lot more advanced than us. Uh, she has a very uh, deep spiritual connection to Buddha, and um, she knows things that are beyond us. She's a very old soul, so I believe both of my children have helped me uh, embrace my spiritual connection in a very different way. I was always spiritual growing up as a child, um, and I I'm grateful for my Catholic upbringing because it kind of kept me in the spiritual area that I needed to be. But I believe my children helped me open up in a very different way, in a deeper way.
0: Yeah. And in your book, I mean, one of the things that I love, I know I read many books because I interview a lot of people. One of the coolest things I think about yours was I felt like I was sitting across from you just at our kitchen table and you were just spewing out all of these different stories of your life. I just felt like I could sit there and listen to you for days. Um, So your writing is great. Um, It's just so friendly. It's so easy. And you just really feel like you're sitting down with a friend and they're like, oh gosh, I'll listen to this. And this is what happened. And then this is what happened. And, um, you know, so just hearing about the stories of Brayden and how it kind of also ties into your path and then your brother and what had happened to him. I'm hoping that we can talk a little bit about that because, um, you know, you also, you know, in your book, you're sharing these intimate stories about things that have happened very personally to you, especially to people that you love. Um, you know, maybe starting off with uh, helping Braden to clear his illness with the kidneys and the situation that happened there. But I always find being a healer myself, it can be such a challenge to, uh, I guess the challenge is how do we separate our love for those closest to us and help them to heal and deliver Reiki to them and energy healing when they're going through some of their difficult times and also managing our own fear and panic uh, during those times. And yeah, so go ahead.
1: That's, it's actually a really paramount point for anybody that does healing work. Um, One of the greatest lessons I think for all of us that engage in in the healing realm of energy work We are not the healers. It's always the person that we're working with that is healing themselves. And it's about um, how much of the energy they allow into their own life to heal themselves. So we are the conduits. We are the facilitators. And I think when we work on those closest to us, the ones that we love, we really learn that lesson. We learn that we're not in control it's, it's up to them whether or not they choose to heal and whether or not they choose to clear and align. We are just there to assist and be a source of love for them. So it's challenging working on those closest to us because we really do have to disconnect emotionally, but it's also a beautiful lesson and it helps us grow.
0: Absolutely. And can you share with our audience um, a little bit of the story about Brayden and kind of what happened when he was young and um how that facilitation of healing happened?
1: Sure. So when I was pregnant with Briella, uh, Braden manifested a very serious uh, kidney disease pretty much out of nowhere called IgA nephropathy. And basically what was happening was every time he was exposed to uh, a strep infection, he would, um, essentially his kidneys would bleed and, um, He would have blood in his urine. What was happening was some of the antibodies that were supposed to be uh, routed to the mucous membranes in his body were being misrouted into the kidneys. They were causing irritation and causing kidney damage. What we didn't know at that time was that Braden was a... It was between kindergarten and first grade, but he was exposed to someone in his class that was a strep carrier. So the child was always carrying an active form of strep in their body, but they weren't manifesting any of the symptoms. And uh, consequently, every time Braden would get off the antibiotics, he would become reinfected with strep, and this condition was ongoing. I think he had about seven strep infections that year. So um, we opted to have his tonsils removed as a as sort of a precautionary method to help him uh, stop manifesting the condition. But he also had to get a kidney biopsy, which was really severe. They, they do pierce the kidney to see if the antibodies are there so they can um, diagnose it, and it was pretty traumatic. And at that time, I was really struggling, like you, you mentioned earlier, working on your loved ones. I was struggling because here I am, a mother that does healing work, and I can't make this child better and it was really a challenge for me. So I just decided one day to put him on the table, the Reiki table, and start doing some energy work on him. And I could hear all these things that were stored in him that I was unaware of. So Braden was really struggling because he was five, almost six, and he had been an only child up until then. And now he had to share the situation with a a baby sister. And I thought I did a great job integrating that, but I really didn't because (laughs) he was feeling a little left out. It was creating a lot of fear in him. And one of the things that came up, I could hear his thought forms. And one of the things that was stored in the um, mental layer of his aura was, um, I guess I could go live with Papa and Nana because mommy and daddy don't want me anymore. So that like crushed me hearing that stored, And when I called his attention to it, he admitted that that was something that he thought of often. So I had to kind of uh, work through that with him and explain to him that he had to choose to be here with us and that our family was now growing and it was very important and we wanted him to be here, but it was his choice to be a part of this family and that he was here for a very important reason and we needed him to be here. I also attuned him to energy work at that time and he started working on himself. So at that time, um, Braden was very young and he started working on himself regularly. And now Braden is 15 and he's a very good uh, healing facilitator. He works on me all the time. He was actually working on me yesterday in my office. So Braden did uh, clear the condition, it's gone. We have not had any re-manifestations since the age of six, and it's considered in remission. So I do believe that Brayden had to have that experience early on so he could learn to engage his abilities very early in life, because I do think that's a big part of who he is. Now,
0: do you, you know, looking back at this, do you think that what was going on within the body uh, was a direct result of kind of feeling the insecurities of this, you know, new sister coming in and, you know, doubting if his family really wants him? Or do you feel that it was just part of his healing path, like you had said, that this was something that he needed to go through in order to initiate his abilities? Or was it connected to something on the emotional level of a new child coming into the family?
1: Um, it was it was twofold. There's always a physical manifestation because that's how the soul brings things to our attention. So he did have the fear-based connection. Kidneys are fear-based, uh, you know, fear-based issues. And it was manifesting in the emotional layer of the aura as well. So it was direct correlation between the kidneys and the emotional layer of the aura. Um, That's what was happening physically and emotionally. But on a soul level, that experience was happening no matter what, because Mm -hmm. Braden had to have that experience to engage his abilities early on. So uh, what I'm saying is, yes, we do have physical manifestations of illness in our lives, but there's always something else. There's always some other reason why it's happening. And that's what we need to get to, to clear it and, and resolve it.
0: Now, I'd also like to hear a little bit about how you came up with the soul centered healing method. Can you talk a little bit about that sure. and how you created this? And I'm sure it was through so much of your own experiences and teachings and working with clients. And you probably formulated what worked really Just well, in your experiences, to create it sounds like healing at such a very deep level to release patterns for people.
1: Right. It is um, a very intense method of healing. Um, It was something that was given to me by my guides, and um, it's constantly evolving based on what's happening with the people that I work with. So initially, it was very, We were working in the chakras and the layers of the aura, releasing and clearing things. Everybody can clear and heal themselves to some degree. They will clear with their frequency or vibration will allow. When they hit a a blocking point or um, a place where they get stuck, that's when they'll go to someone that's vibrating at a different frequency or a higher frequency to shift them past that issue. Mm. So everybody can heal themselves, which is what's in the book. Um, When they get to issues where they're getting stuck, that's when they'll come to me or go to another facilitator that's within the frequency that they need. Um, But basically, the the process is constantly evolving. Initially, it was, as I mentioned, the chakras and the layers of the auras. Then we moved into something uh, very different, uh, which included aligning people with the birth blueprint. The birth blueprint is why you're here. Um, Basically, your sole purpose and the work you're supposed to do. So when people have cleared most of their karma, they start aligning with the birth blueprint. Everyone is here to serve others in some way, um, despite how many self-absorbed people we see on the earth plane. We are all here to serve others and not really serve ourselves. That's, that's how we are um, evolving. So we align with the birth blueprint. Sometimes we go to the hall of records and clear some, uh, some records, some karmic records that people no longer need because they've overcome the lessons. So it really depends. Uh, Each session depends on what the client needs, but it is very intense and the frequency is very intense. Sometimes when people are done with the session, they're vibrating a little bit. Um, There is a clearing process that's from seven to 10 days after the session where uh, people will clear things out physically. They'll clear it Physically from the um, chakras, because that's where they're storing energy in their bodies. They may clear emotionally or mentally. Um, you know, and when they're done clearing, they feel much lighter and they're vibrating at a higher frequency. The goal ultimately is to clear things out of our energetic field that's holding us back so we can evolve at a higher rate.
0: And you said something interesting in that. And I'd like you to uh, further a little more comment on it where you said, once you clear your karma, you become more in line with your purpose. Can you talk more about that?
1: Sure. We all have um, karmic things that we're clearing from previous experiences in this life, soul agreements, etc., and they're ongoing. So we will um, remove all expired contracts from this life and in other dimensions. And we will also align, heal and integrate all soul fragments in this life and in other dimensions. And then we align with the birth blueprint. Everybody has a birth blueprint, which is why they incarnated on the earth at this time. The birth blueprint Print um, contains your key attributes that you are here to use to serve others. So, for example, a person um, a person may have service to others through compassion and healing. Service to others through whatever it may be. And then um, they align with the soul path. Sometimes they're already doing some of that work. Maybe they're a therapist or they're a teacher or they're a mother and that the soul path is service to others through nurturing and mothering and some. Sometimes they're getting ready to make that shift when they come to me. So they're done with their business career and they really want to align in a different way. And they're already taking the steps. And then after the session, they really explode into that arena. So it's kind of waking people up to the soul path.
0: Wonderful. And I'd also like to just make mention, because I know that we probably have a lot of uh, energy healers that are listeners of the podcast. And I know at some point, many people learn how to quote unquote cut cords within the the chakra system. And one of the things that I really love to see in your work is you specifically talk about pulling it out from the root. And I remember one of my teachers saying that there are so many people doing uh, cord cuttings in the wrong way and still leaving cords connected because they are not pulling
1: them out from the root. That's true. It's very true. It's a it's a key point. And if you're not removing it by the root, it's just reattaching constantly.
0: Now, for people who have never heard about cords and you know being connected to other people through these energetic cords within the chakra system, can you explain a little bit about
1: that and that process that you do with a person and why it's sure. important to pull it from the root? Sure. And there's something else I'm going to mention is the anchor point as well, which is a, a, a deeper level of a cord. So we, we form energetic cords with people and places constantly. We're interacting with people all the time. Sometimes there are people that we have emotional connections to, friends, work colleagues, um, people that are in our families that need our time and energy. When we are forming these cords with people, there's some, something of them a part of their energy that's connecting to our energetic field. Over time, certain people are connected to us all the time, and we don't even realize that they're pulling from our energetic field because there's a cord attached to us. When we remove cords daily, we are removing everyone that's attached. The only real connection we want to have really is our divine golden cord from the crown chakra to the divine realm. And if you're a mom or, you know, a a spouse, maybe you want that ongoing connection to the people in your immediate family that you support. But aside from that, you really don't want these cords attached to your energy because they're basically siphoning and pulling energy from your field all the time. An anchor point is something that's a little bit deeper. That is Literally like an anchor in the emotional layer of your aura that is pulling from you all the time. So we have these energetic cords that are attached to our energetic field all the time to other people. The anchor point is something that we allow because of an emotional attachment to a person. We may feel bad for that person. Maybe it's a friend of ours that's struggling with an illness, so we're talking to them all the time. Now there's an anchor point, and it's pulling from your emotional layer all the time. Most times, the anchor point is there for a long time before you even recognize it. But instead of it just pulling basically a thread or a fiber of uh, energy, it's like a fire hose of energy being siphoned all the time. So it's really important when you are lighting up your energetic field and cutting all cords and pulling everything out by the root to also remove all anchor points. And once you do that, you will immediately feel much stronger because you're pulling so much energy back into your field. It's vital. Yeah, and I never
0: really, um, you know, thought about it that way with the anchor points. I mean, I I've, I've, was very familiar with some of the other chords, so this was a new thing that I had learned, and I thank you for that. And I love that you gave an exercise in your book, walking the reader through how to go ahead and do that. And the funny thing was, and you kind of said it in the exercise, that you will be amazed
1: once you kind of tap into the anchor points to see who's attached. Right, Yeah. It's it's there will be people that you don't even realize it because they've been attached for so long. It could be someone that you don't even have that much of a connection with anymore, but they're still siphoning off your energy. And something really amazing happens when you do that. When you pull everybody off of your field, you will find that some people may contact you right afterwards through a text or a phone call or an email because they feel the change in the energy. They're yeah. not they're not aware you know, necessarily that you have caught them, but they will feel a shift in the energy.
0: Mm -hmm. And, and too, it doesn't necessarily, you know, like you had said too, it could be not necessarily a negative pull from your energy, but let's say clients that we've worked with, right. Energy healers that work with clients all the time, you know, that may be tapping into either some inspiration or some feeling that they felt in the office or during a healing, you know, it could be with positive intent but yet that's still a draw of energy
1: exactly and and if you're doing energy work or massage or even therapy work on a regular basis and you're interacting with other people's energetic fields you should be um, at the end of every session doing some type of ritual or prayer or something to cut and sever all ties with the person that you just worked with Yes.
0: Yes. Thank you for saying that too. I, uh, one of the sayings that I use that I got from one of my teachers was I take me and all of me back from everyone that I've ever worked with (laughs) kind of do that, that little siphoning trick right there. Um, in your in your book chapter 5 was really interesting about alzheimers and dementia because i i've always wondered a lot about that and you had mentioned in there that in the story that you shared that many times it could be the physical body and the soul being disconnected right Yeah, I do want you to want me to explain that. I do because, you know, I've thought many times about people that are experiencing Alzheimer's and dementia or working with clients who have family members and relatives who are going through it and kind of giving them support on the other side. But it always seemed like to me that Alzheimer's and dementia really feels like the soul entering also into different dimensions and really having an
1: alternate reality, even though their physical body is still here. That's exactly what happens, um, with that particular illness, it's a mind, body, spirit disconnect. So basically the um, soul is starting to pull away from the body, the part of the soul that is in the physical body, right? Because the higher self is still in the in the divine realm, but the part that's still in the physical body is starting to transition and the physical body is still clinging and still holding it there. So a lot of times people get stuck, which is what happens in that failure to thrive state. Um, one of the key factors that kind of demonstrates this is that a lot of people in, in the uh, latter stages of Alzheimer's and dementia, they start to see their past on relatives and they'll they'll say that they see them in the house or they'll see them in their hospital room and they'll be talking to them. They really are seeing them. Their energy is shifting to another level, but they're not able to completely disconnect from the physical body yet. So sometimes they need help, which is also why a lot of the hospice services are providing Reiki and alternative therapies to help people transition. I know a lot of um, energy workers that just work in that arena to help people transition because they can get stuck.
0: Right. Yeah. And that story that you shared when you were uh, working, were you, volu- you were volunteering for hospice, right? Right. Yeah. And had worked on a woman and then she had passed away. You learned uh, when you came back to visit like a half an hour after you had performed some work on her.
1: The energy work. I didn't know it until the following week, but I did right after I left the facility after working with her, I kept smelling her shampoo and it was like a really, I didn't make the connection that it was my Claire Aliens or, or my Claire scent. I just thought it was like on my clothes or something. I didn't know how I had picked up the scent. And then a week later when I went back, um, they told me that she had died like 30 minutes after I uh, gave her the session. So,
0: And what, what do you think the session provided for her in order for her to be able to transition?
1: I think it just gave her the peace to let her know that it was okay to go. Um, you know, sometimes people hold on for a lot of reasons. I, and I'm speaking from experience with some of my friends that are doing transitional work. Sometimes people are afraid that God really isn't there and they're afraid to let go. It's a huge issue. People can be very faithful when they're on the earth plane. But then at that last moment, they're just really hoping that there's something supporting them when they do leave their physical body. And sometimes they just need someone there to say, yes, it's okay. You're going to see everybody. You're going to be okay. There is a life after this. It's going to be okay. I, I think some people just need that, that comfort at the end yeah
0: yeah, I, I would agree, too. Um, do you still do that work, or was that just a a period of time in your journey and the work that you had done?
1: Um, that's not something that I'm called to do regularly. It is something that I believe was part of um, my learning lessons early on. But I do have a lot of friends that do that work, specifically okay. for hospice, okay.
0: And then, um, I know that our listeners love animals. And, uh, you have a, a very sweet, you had a little sad story in your book about how animals can heal us with, uh, the dog. It was Simon, Simon, I believe, right? Right. Simon, that was Kyle's dog. Yes. Kyle's dog. Kyle's your brother. Yeah. And, um, really interesting how, you know, that dog, and I'd like you to share with our listeners a little bit about the story about your brother and how that dog really took in some of the illness of what was going on with your brother.
1: Yeah, well, my youngest brother, Kyle, uh, who's also in the book and who shares the same abilities as me, he's really um, an amazing individual. He was diagnosed at 26 with a very aggressive form of testicular cancer. And at that time, um, he really struggled. It was a journey. It was a real journey for him to figure out who he was. So we did work together through The journey. He went through a very um, intense form of chemotherapy. He was up at uh, Memorial uh, Sloan-Kettering in New York City, and he did very well. And he is today seven years cancer-free, but it was not without its scars. I mean, he has a tremendous scar up his whole body. He had 80-something lymph nodes removed, and it was really challenging. But one of the things that happened during that time is Kyle would go up to New York for a week and then he would come home and be in bed for a week because he was so sick from the chemotherapy. And he would lay in his room in his bed and just sip the Gatorade because they have to drink the fluids to push the medicine through the body when, they get, when they're when they getting chemotherapy like that. And his dog would lay right by his feet until Kyle was back feeling well. And it would take him a good week to get back on his feet. But you would go in the room and the dog would be laying there like he was sick himself. So about a year after Kyle uh, had his cancer, we both felt like Kyle might re-manifest the cancer. And we couldn't put our finger on it, but we both felt it. And what happened was the dog manifested the cancer. Uh, Simon, he didn't have, uh, testicles, they had been removed, but he wound up with anal gland cancer out of nowhere and it was completely healthy, but it was, um, the same type of cancer. It was growing the same way. It went from, you know, the anal gland all the way up through the, uh, digestive tract, just like Kyle's had grown and in his lungs. And, um, We learned, Kyle and I, in working with the dog, that the dog had taken that on for Kyle so Kyle could stay longer. Um, Kyle had a lot of work to do and the dog was helping him. And in that particular situation, and also with the work that I do with the shelter animals, Braden and I have both learned that animals transmute energy for us. Our pets, when they manifest things seemingly out of nowhere, a lot of times they're taking on illnesses, stress things of that nature so that we can stay and be more healthy and live a healthy life. So animals are forms of unconditional love. We know that, particularly our cats and and dogs that live with us, but they also are here to transmute energy for us. They're really beautiful little things and they just deserve a lot of love because that's all they are, pure love.
0: Well, and I have to tell you that I have my cat. His name is Leo. You might've seen him on our Instagram page. Mm -hmm. And whenever I'm recording, you know, he's usually up and about. He, he must know and feel your energy because he has been sitting beside me the entire time of this interview. And that never happens. He usually gives me my space. So, but he's been coming over, he's been wanting pets and he's just like sitting as close as he can to me right now. And, you know, I know in reading your book too, that, you know, you have a connection with animals and that you've done work with animals and... And I just think it's so cool right now because I truly believe he can sense just the energy that's going on just in the interview here in the house. So,
1: Yeah, because just, we are connected, the two of us right now, because, because of the conversation that's happening. Our energies are blending. He's really sensing that. Yes.
0: Um, I'd also like to talk a little bit about in your chapter nine, the story of Melissa, the hairdresser, and some of the battle of addiction that she was going through, that you were working with her on to assist, because that kind of circles back to what we said about in the beginning that, you know, as energy workers we are just the facilitators but ultimately it is up to the individual their own free will uh, to really facilitate I would say the full healing for themselves and that was a very good example as well in trying to work with her and the addiction and the darker energy that was attached um, with her through her addiction so I was wondering if you'd like to share a little bit about
1: that story Sure. Um Melissa is a really good friend of mine and she's basically like a little sister. And um she was struggling with a prescription pill problem. And as I mentioned in the chapter, I was watching her over time fade into something dark. You know, she was just becoming a sh- a shadow of herself, really. And um I let it go for a while and then I finally had to say something because I was afraid that something bad was going to happen to her. I really was afraid she was going to die. And I talked to her one time and I said, I think you need to talk to your father about what's going on. And she said, don't judge me. That was the first thing she said. And I said, I'm not judging you. I'm saying this because I love you and I want you to be healthy and well. And, um, you know, she listened to me. We were actually going to a funeral for uh, a friend of ours we were we were driving together, and I felt that it was an opportune time to have the discussion with her. So we talked about it. And then I didn't hear from her for a while. And my brother Kyle told me that she was down in Florida at a rehab because she did talk to her father, and her father sent her away uh, to get healthy and well. So a while went by, and I didn't hear from Melissa. But when she came back, we got together. And she said, I feel good, but I feel like something's always biting at my heels. I feel like someone's always taunting me to try drugs again. And I just, it's, I'm struggling with it. And I feel like I need to clear my energy. So one of the things that happens with addiction is this, and I I don't think people recognize the energy aspect of addiction. Um, People are always trying drugs and getting involved in drugs for a variety of reasons. So there's two things we need to look at when we're healing drug addictive issues. Number one, what is the root cause? Why is the person going to the drug substance instead of dealing with the issues? Is it emotional? Is there something physical going on? Are they self-medicating? Number two, the energy of the addiction Those are two key things that we need to look at. Uh, When I say the energy of addiction, I mean, who are they associating with energetically? Are they other people that are involved in drugs? Um, Where are they frequenting? Is it places where the frequency is low? There are things called spirit attachments that are involved in energy addictions. Um, when I say spirit attachments, I mean people that are earthbound, spirits that are stuck to the earth plane. Perhaps they died in addictive states and they're still, their energy is still attracted to the energy of the drug. So they will attach to a person that does drugs and pull them down further. This is a real thing. I know people don't wanna talk about energy addictions and um, spirit attachments, but they're real things that we need to be aware of. In order for you to attract a spirit attachment, part of your frequency has to be vibrating at that rate to allow that energy to attach. So if you are doing drugs and you're in a very low place, you can definitely get a spirit attachment that will affect your energy. Melissa was afraid of something like that. So she came to the office um, and she did not have a spirit attachment, but she did have a lot of sort of darkness in her aura that she was clearing out. So we cleared everything and she, um, she did quite well afterwards. I mean, she She now is a mom with two kids, and um, she has a beautiful family, a wonderful husband, and she's doing great. But I also talked about in that chapter how I had a cousin with a very serious heroin problem, and I decided one day to send her energy and clear her energy because I thought that was the right thing to do. Well, I got a very big lesson because I had a dark energetic attachment in my room that night when I tried to clear her energy, because what I learned is that you cannot clear something for someone that they are choosing for themselves. Again, a lesson about working with those close to us or people we're attached to, they have to choose to let go of those energetic attachments on their own. So that energy was cleared, you know, with the help of my guides, um, but I learned You know, you can't really, you can't fix things for people. These are their lessons. These are their soul agreements. They have to work through them. You can assist them, but they need to choose it for themselves. And I I would like to say about that particular chapter, I think it's one of the most helpful chapters in the book. Um, When I did the fall book tour, uh, we were... Traveling around uh, in in the county, I did a 14-branch tour for the library here, and we have a very big issue in Ocean County with heroin addiction. It's it's an absolute huge epidemic. And uh, Melissa spoke at a few of the uh, library events talking about what the experience was like for her, and I really think it helped a lot of people understand that addiction is a problem. And it's not just relegated to uh, a lower class environment. It's everywhere. And we really need to help the people that are having this experience. We need to reach out. We need to help them address the root cause. We need to help educate their families so that they can understand it's not just sending them away to a facility and getting them clean. You you know, it's a deeper issue than that. You have to teach them about the energy of it. You have to teach them to address the root cause. Otherwise, you're not really setting them up for success. You're setting them up for failure. And the other thing Melissa mentioned is that when people go away to facilities, they have to be ready. They can't just go away for other people because they're not going to succeed. They have to be ready and choose it for themselves. So I have found that that chapter has had the greatest impact, at least in this area um, of New Jersey. Yeah,
0: I would agree with you. I think it's, it really is one of,
1: one of the best chapters
0: in the book. I think that I, I would like you to write a whole book just about that, <laughs> um, you know, and to really talk about it because, yeah, it, it may look like on the outside, okay, it's this person and they're just addicted to this substance, but many times people aren't looking at the energetic component of it and, and understanding that yes, there truly are can be earthbound spirits and that, you know, it's not just a matter of that person, but there can be that energy attachment as well. I I once had a nurse who worked at um, an addiction center, you know, who was very intuitive and very psychic say that, you know, that facility in itself, there was a lot releasing in that hospital, um, you know, from certain people. So even the hospital in itself, it, it would almost be like needing a clearing after leaving the walls of that hospital because of the different energies that were releasing from people during the process. Sure. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, for being a guest on the path 11 podcast. This was um, a great book. I really enjoyed it. I know that you're an author um, of, of other books as well. Um, Let me just see. It's the the medium discovering the medium within uh, is one of your other books as well. But could you tell our listeners where they can reach you? Because you also hold events yourself and workshops and uh, let them know your website and
1: where they can contact you. Sure. My website is www.anisha, A-N-Y-S as in Sam, I-A, keel, K-I-E-L, one word, dot com. And I actually do have some events coming up uh, in the spring. I'm teaching a workshop for the book that we're going to uh, do have a full day of uh, self-healing workshop that's going to be on April 22nd in uh, Tom's River, New Jersey at the Clarion Hotel. And I'm also going to be teaching at the Open Center in New York City um, for the listeners that are up in New York. That event hasn't been posted yet because we don't have the date yet, but it's also going to be a similar self-healing workshop. It's going to be a full day workshop on a Saturday. So more information about those events can be found on my website. Wonderful. And I would really highly recommend that our listeners check out your blog. Uh,
0: Wonderful, wonderful blog. The different categories that you have are basically, I think we've done a show almost on half of your categories. So I know that it's something that our listeners would love to read about. Uh, Wonderful blog that Anisha has as well. So thank you so much. you were a wonderful guest. I really enjoyed your book and uh, love the work that you're doing in our world. So thank you so much.
1: And thank you so much for the work that you're doing with your podcast, because I think it's another way to spread all this information and help people evolve collectively. So I thank you for being part of the journey. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that show and don't forget to sign up for our
0: premium service with over a hundred hours of interviews, as well as our new segments, such as two minute Tuesdays, food for thought Fridays, as well as the virtual book club on Thursdays. All of these extra segments are only available for our premium subscribers. Visit the podcast section of our website at path11productions.com to learn more or to start your subscription for only three ninety nine a month. If you're not interested in a premium subscription, you can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Of course, you can still catch our latest five interview shows at any time by subscribing to the Path 11 podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and iHeart Radio. If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. Catch you next time.